if we are talking about technical stuff, how uh, German school differs from local one and from others? Well, Germany lacks a little bit the system for small kids. Um, if there is a talented kid playing an instrument, then uh, it depends if his parent brings them bring this kid early enough to professional education in Germany. This is not the case here in Latvia, for example, where everybody starts while they are five years old. And if they are talented, they have the system to dive in and go on. But uh, thanks to the great conditions, high salaries and a stable social system, Germany attracts lots of great musicians from the world. So I would say if you, if you are under 18, you should study somewhere uh, somewhere in <laughs> past Soviet Union okay. territory. If you are above 18, you should go to Middle Europe right. or UK or USA. And what a difference in uh, playing style. Well, if there is still a difference between all these countries <laughs> in, in our world. <laughs> well, uh, maybe let's my understanding of uh, this what you what you call playing style is uh, actually a way of thinking mm -hmm. uh back in 2005 when i arrived in Düsseldorf, i was surprised that many people enter high school and they are aiming for example for orchestra for some b level orchestra and they are practicing well and they don't want to go to the a orchestra but not also to the C, they just aim for B orchestra. And I I was just uh, curious, what is this thinking? And then I realized that many, let's talk about Germany because I know this system mm -hmm. inside out. Many people just um, use such a high school uh, to get some certain skills which apply for certain job. And they don't even dream of uh, getting somewhere higher. All over, they just want to perform, get a job, and have 2.3 thousand euro each month. Very practical. Very practical. <laughs> and somewhere these people are a little bit more lucky because they don't worry much. Right. It's not easy at all getting a job and getting through the high school and play any instrument. But uh, let's say our kids, talking about Latvia, they are taught from the very young years that you should dream towards the stars. Yeah, you know you should, um, and everybody make themselves very nervous about getting the star, and get a depression when when they realize they are still in a B orchestra. <laughs> okay, so this is a difference, and the playing style follows a little bit the thing. I was surprised that when I went to my first uh, open concert and listened to other students, I was surprised that there are actually almost no one talented among them, but they are all performing on the same good level. Basically, they know how to play bow strokes, how to hold violin, how to get professionally through the piece. And this was something new for me. <laughs> okay. I saw that this middle level, this handcrafted level is very stable and very high. So is their playing stable and well planned no surprises okay. so you should decide if you like someone who uh, brings you lots of surprises and uh, <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, is less stable in the performances, or you like to go and listen to the someone who plays perfectly, and you just watch someone uh, greatly playing on their instrument, and not being such a great musicians, maybe mm. have not so much fantasy, let's let's say, or surprise you by some uncommon musical solution or sense. Yeah, like less fantasy, more practical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you go to the restaurant and you get some molecular kitchen on your plate and this is something which surprises you emotionally and someone you want just to eat a good pasta. Right. Yeah. How do you feel yourself in this uneasy coronavirus times? Does it have impact on you and what can you advise to other musicians? Well, uh, actually I don't care. I mean, it's not my problem that everybody are getting crazy. <laughs> and uh, I'm observing some obvious precautions because uh, I have a few doctors in my family. I can always ask, now tell me honestly what this stuff is all about. <laughs> But actually, I'm uh, looking more from the... You know, I have a small private music school mm -hmm. in Germany, which was, of course, greatly affected by all these restrictions. Mm. and uh, I don't care where does it comes from and uh, what I think about it I care what I'm doing with this how I'm dealing with this situation mm -hmm. so if there is something which can keep my school running I'm doing this if there is something I should take care personally of me is it a financial or health I'm doing this but I believe that uh, the faster you stop focusing on this problem too much, the faster it will go away because it seems to me like more than 50% of the problem is uh, talking about yeah. <laughs> too much stupid things about it. Yeah, it's more in the head. I also believe that. <laughs> yeah, and it makes also governments of the whole world do more than they should do, actually, mm. and not focus on the uh, obvious things they should take care of. There is too much uh, emotional and badly planned movements mm. in inside the, the whole story. So, and on the other hand, I enjoy sitting at home, and while the whole stuff started, I thought, if I have no public to perform for, then maybe it's a good time to make a break, put a violin on the shelf and stop stop playing for some two or three months. Hmm. Worked out great. Now I play violin better than before. Hmm. Like Paganini, he one year, for one year have not played. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe it's good time <laughs> for rest. Sure, I started to practice pieces I never played before. <laughs> right. About the teaching and the... As I understand, you started not so long ago, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I thought if you are the first concertmaster of the orchestra, you should be present in a teaching area as well, and you should start early enough to, well, to make all, <laughs> to leave your mistakes well behind you. Right. And uh, what qualities should the violinist have to to teach as good as possible? Well. You should never forget that you you will never teach someone something. You will help to learn. Yeah. And I had a great, uh, let's call them mentors from for the music philosophy in okay. in Düsseldorf, where I've been told that you should 
look for the moment when you discover something. This makes you happy. You know, music, playing musical instrument involves lots of hours of um, very routine work, which is which might eat up your whole energy. So look for the moment of the surprise in everything you are doing. And if you teach someone, let people discover something. Always uh, search for the small moments in the whole process where you let them discover and become happy while discovering because this makes them succeed much faster. And also, actually, teaching is about... For students, I'm not talking about small kids. Mm -hmm. Small kids need to learn how to play the instrument first. And students demand much less uh, such works. Um, well, actually, it's uh, the first half of the lesson is always kind of uh, treating someone like a person. <laughs> mm. Getting them back on the earth. Look, look how to bring their... Um, how to say it, the inner world with the with playing an instrument because it's not only about moving hands around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's much more involves much more life than uh, one should like it. So, well, and of yeah, course, sure, like, like a mentor, like a yes, like a mentor because you you can't help someone more than the person is taking. So. You should take care first that the person is taking and then you will be able to teach something. Hmm. And you have to accept that nobody will do exactly what you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get frustrated. <laughs> let, let people be different than, That's a good advice. than you. Very good. <laughs> hmm. What was the hardest moment in your professional life? Hmm. Hmm. I, I can't pick up uh, the hardest moments. There was lots of such moments. Being a kid, every time you lose a competition, you feel like uh, it's your fault. Mm. This which lasts for uh, goes in your whole life with you. You take it with you. It's very difficult to get rid of this. And um, then the next moment is when you leave your school, which you know well the first 14 years of uh, going to the same house every day and then you leave and go to Germany and it's a different place, different area. Mm -hmm. Needs lots of time to get used to the new situation. And then when you finish the school, you are starting to think about money. So yeah. this is also not such a nice... I'm getting the job. So <laughs> I think musicians have it no different than other people. Okay. Okay, some quick questions. What instrument are you playing and what bow? Well, um, I had the luck to become a decent violin from the high school as a loan. And then I... It was a William mm. San Cicil. It, was, it wasn't the violin by William itself. It was San Cicil, a beautiful violin. And then some... Ten years ago, I played for for some financial help, mm -hmm. a loan, uh, which you you pay only the loan, nothing on top. It was in Mannheim, Mannheim of Freunde, the Musik Christ, something like this. Sorry if I if I forgot the exact name. And I bought a modern violin, 
played it for six or seven years, exchanged uh, by the same violin maker, by uh, Mark Desterke. Exchanged it towards the next violin. And that there was some point where when I thought your violin should give you some certain level of quality. And that's enough, actually. Everything else, uh, you, you have to play it with your hands. And so... So, so I don't care again. <laughs> let's so, let's uh, put it this way. I have very good modern violin, so which still, sounds good. Still, yeah. you should play very good, not just instrument. Sure. And uh, while going to some uh, violin makers uh, here in Riga or in uh, in Dusseldorf, sometimes I get to pick up a very decent violins. For example, you come in and there is a Strad mm. uh, violin maker gets it to to make a copy. For example, mm. and I can play a lit uh, little bit Strad, and sure, this is just another level of playing. But uh, for doing my everyday's job, uh, a simple, modern, good one, good fiddle is absolutely enough. And the bow, just look for the bow, which is at affordable price, and do everything, everything you are able to do. <laughs> mm. And uh, what are strings and rows in your using? Well, uh, I believe. After talking to uh, many violin makers, I believe that strings themselves doesn't just bring always the same quality to every violin. It differs. It depends on violin itself. Hmm. So the same strings could uh, make miracle on one violin and be the total shit on another one. Hmm. So the violin maker should think a little bit what what does this violin demands more pressure or less, uh, thin string or something else, and. I heard that uh, a perfectly set up violin should take even basic dominant strings well. And well, actually, I'm playing dominant. Oh, really? Sometimes I put the E string uh, something with a gold color on it, some olive or. It's, it is interesting because in our first interview, Pekka Kalpin and first concertmaster of Helsinki also said that he is playing dominant. Yeah, and no, this is not because I want to save money or I don't care how my violin sounds in orchestra. You get to play a lot of solos in orchestra and it should sound well. Uh, I tried everything, but uh, there is a certain setup which works for my violin and certain strings are designed for this setup are taken in in mind by the violin maker. So just changing all your strings around and hoping that your violin will do something better, sure, could happen, but uh, you should do it along with some works on your violin. For example, change the angle of uh, of the bridge. Or, this, well, there are lots of, lots of, even, even the neck can be changed and glued in a different way. If your violin really, if there is really a serious problem with your violin, well, but actually, and Rosin, I don't remember. <laughs> Just okay, so it does not matter a lot. I've seen yeah. a lots of people diving into exotic solutions and getting some mysterious Rosin, <laughs> okay. and it doesn't help. They still play no better than they, they do. <laughs> I see, but uh, talking about. Talking about strings and instruments, uh, you know, it was quite hard to find a place to record this interview in Riga due to many restrictions. And uh, the owner of uh, string musical shop Vivatas, Ara Simonian, was so kind to offer his shop for this interview. Uh, unfortunately, due to some personal reasons, uh, we could not record it there, but 
in case you're in Riga and you need new strings, bow, violin or whatever, you can visit them at the address Merkela 13. It's a building of the Latvian society next to the music academy or at their website vivatas.art or you can do a side just write to the owner Arasimanian on Facebook and he is very helpful and people there are also very helpful so I highly recommend them <laughs> you did a great advertisement <laughs> well I I would highly recommend them because they they are always in touch with uh, good violin makers and bow makers so if you need to repair which might become a problem in in Baltics because we are not in the center of Europe so I love this place uh, to go because there are lots of interesting violins uh, present all the time and they change the exposition by bringing uh, another violins in I like just to spend time and play violins around without feeling that um, you <laughs> that the owner is looking at you as a <laughs> as a money <laughs> money bringer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I heard actually you have very nice video in Facebook where you are play trying 24 <laughs> violins. <laughs> it was a spontaneous idea. Araik asked me to play one of the violins for someone of his customers. Yeah. So they would put it online. And then I said, oh, sure, I will play some Hindemith. And then I reminded, oh, shit, Hindemith is still under the law. Uh, I mean, under the you copyright. have to, <laughs> under the copyright. And lots of music I would love to play. Everything is under the copyright. <laughs> so I said, I have to play Bach again. <laughs> and while playing one and another violin, I told, let's play them all. And then put the video together. was quite fun and very difficult because the violins are so, so different. I should practice everyone before before <laughs> recording to make it easier. Well, it sounds nice anyway. <laughs> well, I hope so. Don't treat it as a very uh, serious recording. <laughs> it's certainly not for Deutsche Grammophon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun, especially viola in the end. <laughs> well, there was just viola in the end, yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite uh, violinist? Um, I like all... All violin is for, from the 20th century. Everyone is special and everyone has its uh, special uh, way, the style of playing. These people had a real style of playing, you know, something very personal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I uh, like, I don't know, if I like to listen to Sibelius, I will pick up maybe Christian Ferraz recording because there is some certain this dark energy underneath which makes this concert sound good if um, well it, it depends it depends there, there is no un, no any universal violinist who who would play everything great mm. in my opinion so uh, I could like a recording of one violinist and dislike the same violinist in a, on another repertoire absolutely mm -hmm. but yeah. always uh, curious to listen because they have put some meaning in their playing, mm -hmm. some personal note, which is absolutely clear, and not the personal note and fingerings from your teacher, mm. which is also sometimes very good, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. then rather go and listen for teacher playing and not his student. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I very often was taking a 
score of my teacher, <laughs> just with all thin greens and bowings. <laughs> sure, no, but uh, you should uh, always take everything you, you can, but uh, then don't copy, think before you play, and hmm. I hope you have a teacher who will uh, who will let you some freedom of doing things your way, even if this sounds stupid at the moment. Hmm. You will also become a wise man one, one day. Right. Do you like some books, maybe not just wildness books, but maybe to broaden your mind, let's say? Well, uh, there are lots of books <laughs> which you can read in a pan pandemic time. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you can recommend some. <laughs> well, I found uh, out that uh, Noel Harari's book is translated uh, about the whole humanity. Yeah, it's translated in many languages. This was quite interesting. Somebody recommended to me this book and it, it explains a lot what's going on now. Yeah. Um, you might be surprised. I love to work with electrotechnic. Okay. This is my hobby. I'm creating an automated devices, uh -huh. programming them, making to interact one with another. So lots of books I'm currently reading are <laughs> just technical books. Uh -huh. Nice. Yes, because it, it's just all about the same thing. While discovering something, you make yourself incredibly happy. Uh -huh. Cool. So I wouldn't recommend you anything because uh, our listeners are just from absolutely another world. Okay. <laughs> well, it's. I don't believe so many musicians uh, love radio controlled planes or. <laughs> but but that's not like this. No, Harari. I also can recommend. It's a very interesting book. Sure. Yeah. Not the only one. Well, thank you, George Sarkisian, for this interesting interview. And uh, to our listeners, if you have questions which you would like me to ask our future guests, just write me on my Facebook, Maxim Filatov. Otherwise, just follow my channel for the next interview coming up. Bye. Thank you.